0: In today's episode, some workers welcome losing their jobs, board diversity is still a journey, and I talk about perseverance. Enjoy! Welcome to the Age of Jeremy. I'm your host, Jeremy Quintanilla. I'm the CFO and co-founder of 3T Warrior Academy. I'm also the CEO and co-founder of Age of Radio. Check our 3T Warrior Academy YouTube channel out and check out Age of Radio at ageofradio.com. If this is your first time tuning in to Age of Jeremy, this is a show about my life as an entrepreneur and creator and all the ups and downs and stuff that I go through along with some of the people that I meet on the way. Make sure to follow me on all socials at Age of Jeremy, except on Twitter. It's at Age of Jeremy Q. Subscribe to my YouTube channel at Age of Jeremy. Before we get started, this episode of Age of Jeremy is brought to you by Signature Home Styles. Office tired of being second when it comes to taste and style? Look no further than Signature Homestyles. You can visit Signature Homestyles at www.signaturehomestyles.biz forward slash Age of Radio. Signature Homestyles is America's online destination for home goods and decor, transforming millions of homes in the U.S. for over fifty years. Candles, coffee, florals, lighting, wall decor, and more. Signature Homestyles has thousands of unique products not found anywhere else. Now, don't forget to check out their famous Sparkle Glass. Sparkle Glass is an eye-catching LED glass cylinder only available at Signature Homestyles. Sparkle Glass can be purchased with seasonal or custom inserts, bringing astonishing brilliance to all rooms for any occasion. Don't settle for second place home decor. Get the best at Signature Homestyles. Make sure to visit our Age of Radio partner page at www.signaturehomestyles.biz forward slash age of radio. That is www.signaturehomestyles.biz signaturehomestyles.biz, B-I-Z, forward slash age of radio. And as always, there is a link in the episode description. All right, let's get started. So I um, was looking through a couple of articles here and I found one that some workers are well. Some workers welcome losing their jobs. I wanted to touch base on that. Um, it's an article, uh, I believe it's by Charlie Wells, Claire Bellantine, and Paulina Cachero. Apparently Bloomberg articles are like, songs now where there's like 40 people writing them, but anyway, um, so you can check these out on Bloomberg. Again, we're not sponsored by Bloomberg, but I like using their articles for the show. You can find the links to the, in the episode description to these articles. Again, we're not sponsored. You do have to purchase to, I believe to read the whole um, article, I think that you should have a Bloomberg Business subscription. I also think you should have like a, I don't know, Financial Times or Wall Street Journal subscription and an Economist subscription and all other types of shit to keep yourself informed. But um, again, don't go crazy. You want to make sure that you're utilizing the value of the articles when you are subscribing to stuff. But Anyway, employment status, laid off and loving it. That's the mood of a small but vocal group of employees caught in the job cuts rolling firms from Wall Street to Silicon Valley. Getting fired is normally one of the biggest crises of a worker's career, but the strange incongruity of today's job market, where the unemployment rate fell to its lowest level since 1969 in January, even as tens of thousands of people were laid off from big tech companies like Google, Microsoft, and Amazon. And remember that I said Google, Microsoft, and Amazon. I'm going to come back to that in a second. They're making it easier for employees to find themselves out of work. They're taking a more relaxed view of unemployment regarding it as a way to escape from positions they don't like, spend more time on hobbies, and eventually line up better opportunities. I think getting laid off can be a very good thing for people. I think that... If you are not doing the thing that you want to be doing or that you feel that you're sh- supposed to be doing in life, a crisis can push you in the right direction. One, secondly, I think that if you are, ta- if you've been working in a place for a while, you've been saving and, and you know, you have some types of. of Personal savings built up. You maybe have some investments as well. Um, And maybe you had a side hustle that had some money going and you were able to now not have to work. I think that, especially me growing up being a millennial, I was raised by a baby boomer. Um, I was always taught that you have to work all the time and you should never not have a job. And I don't think that that's really the case. I think that is that you should not have no money. I think that that is where the problem arises. And if you have a way to support yourself and you have a way to not have a traditional job, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that if other people think that that's not a way that something should be, they can go fuck themselves Um, because it's your life. You should be doing what you want to do. And I think that not having a job can put you into a place where you can start doing the thing that you want to be doing. And I think that that is very important. And I think that you should look at your life where you're at right now and say, hey, am I doing what I think I should be doing? Am I doing what I want to be doing? Is this adding value to? To my life? Is that value that it's adding to my life also something that in, I enjoy? Um, and if it is, then keep doing. If not, then maybe it's time to look at look at what you're doing and put yourself into another place. I think a lot of the times people think that they just want to have money so that they don't have to work. And I think that there is a mindset shift that kind of has to change is that you need money to be able to live. But if you're able to live, then shouldn't you just be doing whatever you want? Anyway, I mean, I think that I made a post on Twitter about turning 40 and um, I'll be 40 this year and now I'm finally realizing people... I don't think I'm going through a midlife crisis. I think that when people say that someone's going through a midlife crisis, I think it's that someone's waking up and realizing that they weren't themselves. They didn't get to do the things that they wanted to do because they were living for someone else's expectations. And I think that that's what kind of has to change. And the reason why I brought that up is because I, you used to be really into tattoos. I wanted a lot of tattoos. I wanted a lot of piercings. And I gave all of that up because I didn't think that I could, you know, find a job that would allow that. And now that I'm my own person and I can do whatever and I can make my own money and figure out on my own. I think I'm going to go back to doing those things. And people are going to look at them like, oh, he's going through a midlife crisis. It's not a midlife crisis. It's just we spend our whole time putting what we want to do based off of other people's expectations instead of doing the things that we enjoy and being the person that we want to be. And um, people don't think that we can, they can do that because they have this indoctrination into them that they have to get a job. They have to be respected in the community and all of these things. And so it's this losing their job thing can be very, very beneficial for a lot of people. So I think that we're going to see a lot more of this, that we're going to see a lot more people find their passions and dreams once they start getting laid off. That's the first thing about this article. The second thing about this article um, is that they mentioned that big tech companies like Google, Microsoft, and Amazon had to do layoffs. And I saw a Bloomberg's quick take through my uh, Instagram feed that had Tim cook, Uh, And he's the CEO of Apple and saying that, you know, Apple didn't have to do a bunch of layoffs. And that's because Apple didn't do a bunch of hiring. So Apple is one of probably, in my opinion, I'm not I'm not a huge like I don't have Apple products. I think the iPad Air is fantastic. Uh, I bought one for my niece. Um, I wish that I bought one for myself so I could have it to use some augmented reality stuff. And I hear that it's a great place to play video games and things like that. That being said, I'm not a huge Apple person. I'm not like obsessed with Apple. I think that you should learn their technology. If you're a developer things of that nature, but I don't think that you have to have to, you know, be obsessed with it like a lot of people are. Uh, And I also have an iPhone for other things um, that we do where we, you know, I needed to have one because we were doing something for this product that we're working on called Merlin. And so, but other than that, I don't, so, but what I do will say about Apple is they're fantastically managed. And I think that's one of the things that sets them apart and why is, you know, as long as Tim Cook's at the helm and whoever he is building up inside the company to take over, if they have that management mindset and they are good with their money and strong with how they're employing people and not getting crazy, then that's one of the things that helps with these layoffs. A lot of times when things are booming, you start making irrational decisions on bringing different people people in rather than finding people that you might have like that you could just move up and then the people that under them could be workers or you can move people up and maybe not have to do crazy amount of hiring because you know a lot of the times we don't look and see do all of the jobs that we have in our business do we need all of them and that's something that we have to be mindful of especially when you're entrepreneur so i just wanted to mention that that like you managing a business is is one of the pieces There's managing and innovation. And I think that those are the two biggest things that, you know, Apple does well. And I think that Tim Cook did a really good job not getting crazy as they were growing and managing the business. So they didn't have to be in a place where they had to lay lay a bunch of people off. So I just wanted to give him, you know, kind of kudos for doing that. All right, so on to this next article. And again, these articles are found in the episode description. I just thought this one was good because I think diversity is something that we we talk about a lot, but then we hear different sides of diversity, and we think that things shouldn't be diverse, and it should be a meritocracy. And so this is an article by Winnie, Winnie Hu and Yasu Taka Tamira. I'm so confused why there's multiple people writing these articles. But anyway, because um, they're not like in-depth, long articles, not like a really big journalist. Maybe one of them is the editor. I don't know. Um, And so because then there's the photographer in this. Anyways, go check out the link and you'll see what I'm talking about. OK, so Japan uh, J.P. Morgan. Japan's pioneering female fund manager seeks board seat. So more than 25 years after joining the industry, one of JP Morgan's asset management, uh, Japan's first female fund managers intends to raise her hand for a board seat at her firm this year. We're always pressuring companies to change said Aisa O'Goshi. Um, Oh, Aisa O'Goshi isn't the photographer. Aisa O'Goshi is the, the female that's raising her hand to be on the board and Kentaro Takahashi. Takahashi was the person that took this uh, photograph. It was a really good photograph, too. Um, So, kudos to him. Okay, so we're always pressuring companies to change, said Aisha Ogoshi, who has also pushed for board diversity at firms she invested in over the years, but it's hard to give them a convincing reason without firsthand experience. There were very few women in fund management roles across the industry in 1998 when Ogoshi first joined a Jardine Fleming in Tokyo. After a merger with JP Morgan Japan in 2000, she became one of the first female fund managers at the firm. Ogoshi's career reflects some of the progress her industry has made over the years in Japan and beyond. Of the 11 fund managers on Agoshi's Tokyo team, three including Agoshi are women, roughly in line with the proportion of women who are executive directors or above at the company. The reason why I wanted to bring this up is I wanted to explain a few things to the audience or to the listeners. One, board work is, my, is the thing that I wish that I was doing the most. It's like the strategic, like, it's this—it's the strategic direction of the company that you get to play a part in. And that's why I love the, the way that corporations are organized. And I've also said this multiple times that I love secret societies because secret societies run almost the exact same way. Nonprofits run the same way. And when you're doing good board work, that board work is the strategic guidance and pushing of the forward company. Now, the way that corporations work is you have shareholders and then the shareholders vote on the board and the board essentially hire the CEO or maybe some of the other executives and then or or guides the CEO when he does the other executives or, or hires the other executives. And then the CEO and the executives run the company. That is what I enjoy doing. And one day I would like to see myself on the Adobe board, on the Microsoft board. Those are some of my lifelong long-term goals. And so I am a big fan of her pushing for this because I think one of the things that we, two things that we do that happen when it comes to trying to do what we want to do is that we don't voice it enough to people. So people may not even know she wants to have a board seat. The other thing is, yes, hard work for me, like I notice hard work and I tell people that their hard work doesn't go unnoticed. And that's something that Coach JV does very, very well. Um, and he's my business partner. And, you know, he and, you know, in a sense, like he's my, you know, he's the CEO of our business. So in, in a sense, from a hierarchical standpoint, I'm underneath him, but I also have a large share of the business. And so my point is, is that he's always saying, Know your hard work doesn't go unnoticed. I appreciate you, and that's one of the things I don't think that we do enough. And but I also know that hard work doesn't always go noticed by everybody. And so I think if you're vocal about it, I think you will get a lot further in whatever the business is that you're doing. And especially when it comes to sports. So I have to give her props, and I hope that she become she becomes a board member. And then the other thing is the the thing that I want to talk about boards. We're always talking about like diversity diversity being beneficial then you have some proponents that like well it should be a meritocracy if you're not the person best person for the job then you shouldn't get it but the diversity is also a factor in what makes someone really good for the job because creating that diversity so for instance if there is a, a person of color right and um going up against a white person and they have essentially um some type of merit involved, right? Like they both were investors, they both were fund managers, both did really good, but maybe the the person that was, you know, the the white male or whatever, maybe that person did better with certain things, but they don't have the outlook or the life or the type of experience that a person of color may have. And so that person of color, that diversity plays a part in why that person is important and why they might get that job ahead of that white person. And I know that that might sound like a racist statement, but that's really the truth of it that your experiences of being color and not being colored, or being of a different ethnicity plays a part in the things that you understand about the world. And so, and one of the things that's interesting about boards is you want the boards to like be a representation of the people that you serve. And so if you, and one of the ones that I use the most, I can't remember what if it was Experience, TransUnion, or Equifax, but there was one of them where I used to say a bunch of shit to because obviously all of us have credit scores, right? Blacks, Mexicans, you know, Asians, whatever the case is, we all have credit scores, but all all the people that are on the freaking one of those boards were all white males and maybe a white female here and there. And so they cannot understand everything that someone goes through in life to make those good decisions about what a person of color might experience that would prevent them from having a good credit score and then making things or putting things in place to help that person increase their credit score with whatever, you know, that credit agency was, whether it was Equifax experience or whatever. And that's the main reason why it's good to have diversity on boards. And so I think that if Tokyo, in this case, if this individual doesn't have, or this, this board doesn't have a lot of female representation, they should definitely have that female representation. Now, I don't know what the diversity of Japan as a whole looks like, but I can speak for America. We have all kinds of different colors. And so to have those people of color represented on boards is very, very crucial because that allows those people to put their insight and the things that they experience because of the fact that they weren't white or the, because of the fact that they weren't male, um, that allows that board to make better decisions for the populace that it serves. And that's the reason why I wanted to bring that article up. Um, I also encourage you to go and understand more of board work. Get involved with nonprofits. Learn. Try to get on their boards. They're always looking for people to help. Um, it, like the skill set that you do on a board for a nonprofit doesn't you doesn't always – like isn't always the same skill set that you would use when you say, go and try to be on a board for a, you know, a public company, but it it kind of is, but the concept is similar, right? Um, and, and the, the nonprofit might be more lenient on what it is that you're doing and how you're affecting it, where the corporate public company wouldn't be that way. So anyways, make sure that you check out these articles are in the episode, um, description, there's links in them, uh, and, uh, we'll be right back. All right. So I'm recording this on Sunday, February 12th, which is Super Bowl Sunday. Will I watch the Super Bowl? I do not know. I have a bunch of stuff to do. Um, and so anyway, I made a tweet um, on Twitter, right? Because that's where you tweet. I made a Twitter post and essentially I'm going to pull it up real quick because I just want to reference it. <laughs> um, it's been seen by 12 people. I have a, <laughs> a huge following on Twitter. Um, but if you don't follow me on Twitter, go and check me out at Jeremy Q. Um, I'm going to be hopefully starting a new spaces here. I'm just trying to find out when I'm going to do it because what I'll tend to do is try to do too much stuff and then not stay consistent with it. And the thing that I'm always telling people to do is to stay consistent with what they're trying to accomplish. Okay, so best way to create perseverance instead of watching the Super Bowl work on your side hustle during that time, if you can't make that sacrifice and ask yourself how bad do you really want it? And I stand by that quote. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't watch Super Bowl. I'm not saying that you shouldn't enjoy the Super Bowl. I'm not saying anything of that nature. I love basketball. I try to watch as much basketball as I possibly can. The point of what I'm trying to get at is my wife made a very good statement to me. Um, you can follow her on social media if you can find her at Tory. I'm not going to spell that. Just good luck. And so she made a very, very good point that. Like you say certain things like create perseverance, but like, how do you actually go and do it? And so when I was thinking about it today, I did not want to originally make this podcast today, but I thought about it and I was like, well, I need to make a podcast either. I'm going to wait till, you know, Monday to do it, but Mondays are super, super busy and I have meetings from the morning literally until the afternoon. And so it didn't make sense to be stressed out about making this podcast late in the evening because I'm going to have a meeting up until four and then around four to 430 I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to work out. And by four thirty, I mean in the evening, I'm not a four thirty in the morning person um, and And um, one of the things that I did learn real quick about that is that I used to try to be, and then I realized it's not in my DNA. So I focus on how, what I can do that's within my current realm um, that makes me super, you know, You know, super productive. So I get up at 6 15, 6 30, take my niece to school. I go through that. I come home. I either start working right away or I take a shower, depending on what's going on those days. And then I work until like four or five. And then I'll go to the gym because I like working out in the gym. It relieves all that stress in the evening. I like working out in the evening and then come back. And I don't have to like be in this weird place where like I gotta get up at four o'clock in the morning. It doesn't fucking matter. It matters what you do with the time that you have. Anyways, and so back to the thing about the perseverance. So I don't want to do it. I made myself do this, I made myself make some TikTok, some Instagram. Um, usually because I get pretty exhausted during the week because especially Tuesdays and Wednesdays are very, uh, Tuesdays have uh, lightened up a lot because we changed the way in which something is managed, um, through one of our businesses. And then the other business I still do on Wednesdays, which I actually don't mind that one because we're getting ready to launch and I'm really excited. So if you don't know about Merlin, go to merlincrypto.com and check it out. And so, so when I think about all of the things that I'm doing in the week, I'm exhausted by, by the weekend. So then sometimes I just kind of want to rest. But one of the things that I've learned along the way to build perseverance is getting habitually good at doing shit that you don't want to do. And the only way to do that is to practice it by finding something that you want to do And not doing it and doing the other thing that's harder. And that's the reason why I made that post. Because if you are not good or if you have a side hustle and you're not good at doing that push, it's very, very practical to say, okay, what is the thing that I like doing? And what is the thing that I'm always doing? Like playing a video game or watching the Super Bowl or watching sports? Well, why don't I plan in my day to not do that? And specifically during those things, which are the things that I enjoy, do the shit that I don't want to do. That's going to move my life forward. And the more and more you do that, the better you will get at being able to do the stuff that you have to do to move your life forward and you will start to see a progression. And I think that college does this really, really well. And I, I, I am a big proponent of college. I think education is amazing. I love public universities. I like private universities to an extent. I would love to sit on the board for a state that manages the public universities. That is something that I'm super, super passionate about because education, especially, um, you know, college has changed the trajectory of my life life. If there are two things that changed the trajectory of my life, it was going to school, getting an education, one, and then two, you know, being lucky enough to meet you know, coach JV, which you can follow at coach JV underscore, and then choosing to help him. And then us building a relationship where I could move forward and be his business partner, right? Those are the two like luckiest things that have happened that progressed my life to where I don't really have to worry about a lot of stuff. I have money. I am not in a financial stressful situation, which creates new ways to go and learn about stuff, you know, and be happy in life. And so, 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 education has really helped with that. And if I didn't have that education, I wouldn't have been able to help coach JV. So in, in reality, it all came stemmed back to the education was the most important thing and the changing factor in my life. And so So, but that being said, I never want to make people think that they have to go to college to be, you know, to, to get a culture, to become cultured, um, to, uh, to become wealthy. But I think that it does help and it can help, but it's not the end all be all of something. Um, and I also think that being happy in your life is much more important, but college does do a great job because there's so much workload, especially like with community college that you have to not do things that you enjoy for a ridiculously long period of time. And because of that, you can get good at doing, making decisions where you do the thing that you have to do as opposed to the thing that you want to do. And I think that that is one of the, the greatest thing, greatest things that people can practice to create perseverance. And so thinking of that today, I was like, okay, well, what are some of the things that I know that I need to get done that is going to push me forward so I can practice it too. If I'm going to practice, you know, I want to practice what I preach. And so and, and again, I want to say that it's OK if you go and watch the Super Bowl, if you do the things that you enjoy, you should be doing those things. But if you're finding yourself like, man, you know, I work my 40 hours a week and then I want to start a side hustle. Look at those, the activities that you're doing between when you stop your 40 hour a week job and you take care of all of your other commitments. And then what is it that's left over and what are you doing with that time? And I think that that's one of the reasons that people make fun of people that play video games. They make fun of people that watch a lot of movies. They make fun of, because. Oh, no, you should always be working. No, you shouldn't always be working. But the, the thing is, is that if you are not good at not sacrificing those other things, then you should probably practice sacrificing these, those other things so you can push yourself forward. Um, and then it also gets you into a, a concept or a mindset of managing your time differently, right? Because then also, too, I knew that there were things that I had to get done today. So you could also say, okay, well, if I wasn't going to pra- try to practice what I preach, right, then I could say that, well, the practicing what I preach and the perseverance taught me that I need to get stuff that I need to get done, done. And then also I learned that if I get that stuff done, I can't also do the stuff that I enjoy. So if I get this podcast done, I also have to find uh, an outfit that I wore during a YouTube video so I can get a picture for the, um, the thumbnail for it. Cause I haven't released it. And there's no reason why I haven't, the only reason why I haven't released it. Cause I just need to go look at what shirt I was wearing so I could throw that on and get a picture. But but you could also say, okay, well, I got up in the morning. I know that I want to watch the Super Bowl. So let me get all the stuff that I need to get done out of the way. I need to get my podcast recorded. I need to get it scheduled. I need to get the code set up so it feeds out to my um ageofjeremy.com webpage, which you can go check that out as well. And so if I do those things, then I can sit and watch, you know, the Super Bowl or have fun. You you always need to look at that time management piece. And also when you if you're not good at that, by you saying that I'm going to do this during the super. Bowl, you'll start to then get good at doing the things that you need to do. And then you'll be able to look at, well, man, I really want to watch that. Let me not do these other things and I'm going to get them done during this time. So it's a very good practice that you can have. And again, it's not going to work with every competing commitment. And what I mean by competing commitment is like, you're always, your time is always Opportunistic, right? It's always competing for something else or other opportunity that can happen. There's always an opportunity cost involved. If I'm making this podcast right now, there's something else that's not happening that I could have done that would have done something else. So you have to look and see what are the important things that I need to do, and then make sure that you're doing those things. And so, so. Again, if you want to get really good at that, I really recommend writing down all the things that you enjoy and then not doing those during the week and scheduling to do other things that move your business and life forward. Right. And again, going back to the opportunistic things, like you're going to find half things that you have competing commitments that can't be taken away from like helping your kids with, you know, their schoolwork, driving them to school, you know, feeding them dinner. Right. But what, Else is in your time, and then what else is it that you want? And if you're finding that you're not willing to do sacrifice those other things, right, to get what you really want out of life, then is it something that you really, really want? And then it's time to look at it again and say, okay, maybe this isn't something that I want because I'm not willing to not play video games to do it. I'm not willing to not watch sports to do it. I'm not willing to not read to do it. I'm not willing to not do something else to do it. And then it's kind of like, okay, well, let me reevaluate what it is that I really want. And then when you find that, then it won't be hard to sacrifice those things that you enjoy. All right. Remember, be thankful, grateful, and kind. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we will talk with you next time. Bye. this is your first time listening to The Age of Jeremy, make sure that you like this episode and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. And if your podcatcher allows you to, or your podcast player allows you to, please rate this podcast so we can get it in front of more people. And as always, the beginning song was Brave Faces Everyone by Spanish Love Songs. The closing song was uh, Threatening Each Other Recapitalism by Illuminati Hotties. I use Neumann microphones. I record on the Zoom L8. I use Steinberg's Cubase. And I think Oh, and Waves Plugins. All right. One last time. Remember, be thankful, grateful, and kind. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.